0: White Sox fans, welcome to an, another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny?
1: Uh, you know, it's a Tuesday night. It is our first time uh, streaming, streaming on a Tuesday evening. Uh, you know, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties last week, we were unable to live stream here on the old uh twitch but uh yeah you know we got a podcast recorded but it's it's good to be back live hanging out with you and uh our folks our regulars in the chat and uh you know on top of all that it's really awesome to have a few things to uh discuss this evening as far as uh white Sox news goes so looking forward to getting into this one man but uh before we do let me ask you how are you feeling this evening
0: not too bad you know pretty decent week uh You know, banging away on the uh, kids' baseball team fundamental stuff on Mondays. Had our first day of hitting on Saturday. That was nice. Um, Yeah, everything's good. Can't complain. Um, Yeah, like you said, nice to have uh, multiple things to talk about. Hey, cohesive cohesive Wisconsin. Cohesive with? Yeah. Thanks for the follow. Appreciate it a little twerk whatever that you. name is uh <laughs> you get a little uh eager, mean
1: shaking the booty uh, thanks for uh joining in
0: yeah so you know like i said it's it's nice to have a, a couple of things to talk about not just one thing you know it's it's been like a steady diet of you know like little tiny moves here and there and uh it's nice to have a, a bunch of stuff to talk about although you know, with it being the international market, you know, it's how much is actually known about a bunch of these guys, you know? It's like, uh, right. you know, you hear a lot about Luis Reyes, the guy who is, you know, the number 41 top prospect in the uh, international top 50. And, uh, you know, i seen some video from the Miami Miracles and stuff like that. And, you know, I know James Fox has been, you know, dropping little videos here and there for, you know, a couple of weeks, which has, you know, been nice, Um <clears throat> nice to see you know that the the guy's grown a little bit since i would assume that he uh had a, some talks with marco patty and uh grew you know five inches or something like that since you know since the first time yeah, they started that's, talking
1: that's one of the big things that kind of stands out about this kid is not only is he uh he shot up like a bean sprout but uh every report and you know like you said there's not a ton out there about these guys but Every report that is out there uh on him is that uh not only is he, you know, added quite a bit of height to his frame, but uh there's also some muscle that goes along with that too. And uh right now the projections on him are sounding uh fairly uh fairly good for, you know, his uh trajectory to eventually reach a major league ball club and possibly even be uh you know a substantial addition at some point now you know we've we we've said it here before we'll probably say it a thousand times over but you know uh prospects are suspects and until we see something from some of these guys as they as they grow older and mature into their bodies and uh you know start making their way through the farm system you know it's really hard to say What's going to happen? But a lot of positive things floating around this kid for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, like the the thing about him is, you know, you're signing him fairly young. Um, it's not like uh, Norhe Vera, right. you know, where they signed him when he was, you know, 22 or something like that, and 23. And, right. You know, like even even when you know they signed him to when he showed up and uh, you know was ready for camp last year before the strain lat. Um, you know, he had boosted his velo, you know, before actually signing with the White Sox by five miles an hour and got up to like 97, 98. So I, you know, with this kid being quite a bit younger, I wouldn't be surprised to see his velo jump up quite a bit as well. Um, One thing that's been noted by quite a few people is that the White Sox didn't have that, uh, you know, massive, uh, you know, headliner signing necessarily because, everybody that they signed was actually, you know, young, as opposed to uh, signing a guy like an Oscar Colas or a Vera where, you know, they're like, you know, already into their twenty, you know, like a couple years into their 20s. So, um, you know, not that the the names that are on this list are, are bad, um, just that, you know, you like don't have like that uh, that big name signing, one of the names that is on the list is No Stranger, uh at least namesake wise for White Sox fans. Uh with the signing of Juan Uribe Jr. short um, Shortstop and uh outfielder. Um it's one of those ones that's been talked about for uh, you know, maybe a year or two. Um so it's you know uh, you know, the interview between uh Senior and junior uh, with the uh, MLB guys said that, you know, it's a dream come true. He was born in Chicago uh, during uh, senior's time with the White Sox. And,
1: uh, you know, solid five seasons here in the South Side for him.
0: Yeah. And you integral know, part of the 05 World Series. Yeah. The catch. Um, the catch. Which, uh, you the know, cast. in my personal opinion, uh, far uh, eclipses. Uh, Derek Jeter's fake one where he didn't have to jump into the stands. Um, Right. You know, Juan Uribe
1: did have to lean quite a bit away over the tarp and into the stands for that, uh, that catch over in fall territory. And it was, you know, the way I remember it, I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't looked back at the video, but it was,
0: uh, absolutely fantastic yeah it was uh definitely one of those highlight ones. one of those ones says white sox fans you know that we'll see over and over again until until the day we're dead. White sox also signed uh another pitcher uh Denny Lima um ten thousand bucks so uh I wouldn't really expect a whole you know it's it's one of those ones where it's a lottery ticket type deal right um probably also the same for the fifty thousand dollar signing uh double al Albert Alberto. Uh, is an outfielder. Um, you know, again, one of those guys that was kind of new. Um, you know, when they announced the seven people that they had signed, it was a name that I, at least, I hadn't heard before. Uh, you know, well, again, in, you know,
1: fifty thousand of the bonus pool usually doesn't mean a whole lot.
0: Well, not when you got uh, you know, like five point two million dollars or whatever it was that the uh right. the White Sox get. Um I'll get into that in a little bit um after we get through these uh through these names here and uh, I wanna talk about what is left over. Um we'll talk about that in a second. Uh the other right. uh outfielder that was signed, um Abraham Nunez, uh seven hundred thousand, so that's a pretty you know, sizable chunk of money. It's not, uh, you know, it's about, uh, I don't know, 17% of their total allotment for the, uh, you know, out of their, a lot of pool. So, you know, I think they're obviously expecting a little something out of him and some stuff could be projected for him. And there's going to be some,
1: he's, uh, he's been talked about a little bit. Uh, you know, he's, uh, He's been talked about mostly for his bat, from what I've read. There, again, another one of those guys. There's not a ton of information out there, but uh, he's been talked a little bit about his bat and the fact that his dad is a uh, a major league hitting coach and and has had some, uh, you know, success as a player beforehand. Uh, you know, might bode well for him. He's got a little bit of a pedigree going there, so you know again not a whole lot out there but yeah you know you kind of hope if you're spending 700,000 on an international you know signing guy and we got to remember too this isn't like and I'm sure you're probably going to get in this a little bit more so I won't hit on it too much but you know the international signing rules have changed this is not the days of uh you know Luis Robert signing for you know multi-millions of dollars so yeah. I, and i'll leave it at that for now you, yeah you know, you know, can't uh, spend on these guys like they used to anymore
0: yeah it's it's kind of bizarre you know it's um you know uh, the, before the stateside prospects had some you know they had a bone to pick with the way that the international market was is that you know these teams were going for the high you know these kids were going to the highest bidder most of the time you know and they'll get you know like 5 million bucks, 6 million bucks, you know, and uh the state sized guys weren't getting that in the draft. Um even like the the top top guys weren't getting that amount of money. And uh so they put a cap on the international market. And now the international market guys, even the top guys aren't getting what the top draftees are getting over here stateside now. So, um I will say though that um I would say it's probably commensurate with, uh, you know, age. You know, sometimes uh, with some of these guys is that, uh, you know, some of the top prospects are coming out of college and they played for years and years, and then uh, you got some of these other guys that have been playing against the best competition over here in the states. You know, doing the the uh, travel ball circuit and playing against all the other top kids. You know, where a lot of the international guys, you know, unless they've been on you know, Team Cuba or, you know, playing in the, you know, WC Junior circuit, you know, um, they're not going to get that, uh, you know, get that kind of huge money anymore unless they've been those top guys. So, you know, um, yeah, I'll just leave that whole thing. I I will say I don't – we've talked about this before. I don't like how they changed the dates to it being a January period from a – Uh, Previously, July, just because, you know, for higher-level prospects like somebody like an Oscar Colas, um, you know, they kind of get more or less one of their year, you know, at least one year of their career stolen from them, you know, by having to sign in January. And if they're coming and they haven't played, you know, a high-level baseball you know like you know speaking of like uh the japan league and you know stuff like that uh you know they're gonna have to go to the minor leagues and in order to be able to do that most of the time when you're signing in january you have to wait a year for your taxes and everything so you just end up having yeah, more really or less just kinda, stolen
1: kind of kind of yeah it, it's a fly in the ointment the way the whole system is set up really uh you know when it you you talking about the the timing, and then of course you know you mentioned the pay and how that you know they were trying to kind of level that playing field as far as pay goes between you know domestic drafted prospects and and international free agent signings, and it it just seems like there's some kinks to be worked out on both ends there. Maybe they'll get it right someday. I don't really know, but if the uh, the last CBA this you know past off season. Was uh, any indication of baseball getting things right? They did get some things right. I'm not going to say they didn't, but the fact of the matter is, is you know they had to go to sit at the table, the negotiating table, basically knowing that that lockout was coming months before the lockout actually happened. And you know it just seems like it's about time that we start getting some of these guys on the same page. If we're going to address something address it the right way. Don't just kind of half ass it and walk through it. You want to level the playing field, level the playing field. You know, but of course, it's like politics. You know, there's a little give and take and there might be some pork written into uh, you know, some of the things, some of the hot button issues you might have to uh concede somewhere else. So I'll uh I'll kind of just leave that th- there cuz you know, again, this is a a baseball podcast. We don't want to get into politics and things.
0: So Yeah. No, certainly not. Um, Yeah, so they picked up uh, the White Sox also signed a couple of uh, infielders, uh, D'Angelo Tejada and Rafael Alvarez. Um, Seen a couple of, you know, Instagram slash uh, YouTube things on them. Who knows, you know. Um, We'll see what uh, ends up happening. You know, like what, uh, you know, I'll wait until I start seeing, you know, solid DSL videos and stuff like that before I – start evaluating any of these guys. Um, But, you know, I, you know, uh, James Fox uh, tweeted out something uh, from Baseball America, and I wanted to get your take on this. Um, Baseball America, you know, had like this thing, you know, takeaways from the top tens because they just released their top ten lists of all the team's prospects and one of the things that was mentioned was that the white Sox have the most international free agent signings in their top 10 um, and they they've got six of them in the top 10 between uh, there's Jose Rodriguez uh, Ramos uh, Brian Ramos, Sosa, Eric uh, Christian Mena um, Christian Mena Eric Fernandez Jorge Vera. Rivera, Mandis, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so in their top ten there is there's there's six guys, so um, while I will say that uh, you know and those guys that are in the top ten I do like them as players and they uh, you know, they have a lot of upside and uh, been watching a bunch of them for a couple of years now, so I've got like a you know a database of watching them from when they came in to where they are now. Um, a couple of them not so much because they're you know just started last year in the system so i only have like a little bit of information to go on from watching the minor league games um and that's great you know marco patti just won the scout you know international scout of the year from uh, mlb uh over you know in this past uh what was it the uh the owners meetings here and uh you know there's nothing to be taken away from the job that Marco Patty has done in the international international market. However, do you think that this brings into light the lack of success in the stateside market?
1: Oh, didn't see this question coming tonight, but, uh, I mean, you know, yes and no. And I'll tell you why I say no is because, how do I want to put this? We have talked about in recent years, you know, especially being that they do have a lot of international guys. The Sox have done really well in that market with guys like, you know, Oscar Colas and with guys like, you know, Luis Robert, we can throw out there. Uh, And Marco Patti has done a fantastic job. So, you know, in that regards, I don't find it surprising. But we have also seen a lack of success stateside. And it kind of makes you wonder where the scouting department is, you know, kind of making the decisions on who they want to choose in the spots they want to choose them in uh you know the sauce had a run there of some pretty high draft picks uh for a couple of years anyway where you know they had the number three overall pick and a number four overall pick in back-to-back seasons and uh right now looking at those picks you're going um what happened what happened you know uh yeah, there there's definitely something that's uh, left to be desired in, in in that department, and you know the other part of it is 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 it just the draft that the Sox are failing in, or are they drafting the right player and just failing to, to develop them? Develop these guys. You know, we are obviously not the Tampa Bay Rays when it comes to developing players and just being able to slide guys from the farm system into a starting slot that are going to come out and, you know, just be bangers right off the bat. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I don't want to get too deep into this because that's probably going to be more of a conversation that I want to have a little bit later in the show. But, yeah, there are definitely some things that, you know, need to be addressed. And the reason I say I want to get into it later is because, you know, we have some news to talk about that maybe seems like they are starting to address some of these uh issues but well i mean this you know, is, I digress. This, is on,
0: this is on the the minor league side so I, I have no problem talking about this part of it now is that last year you know we we bring on uh Andy Barquette as the hitting you know coordinator of hitting in the minor leagues and applying a plan for all of the minor league system and instilling, you know, putting drills in place that are going to help them, you know, develop properly. And he comes from the the Red Sox, who won the World Series in 2018. He was on the coaching staff then. So he has winning experience. He knows, you know, he's coming from a club where... There was a pattern of you know development and success in some players. I mean, granted, you know the Red Sox let most of them walk except for uh, Rafael Devers here in the last week. But uh, sure. you know, you know there oh, that was
1: contract was obscene. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's it's a lot, <laughs> but you know,
0: um, but the th- the thing is that there's a pattern there, and he has seen, you know, what it takes to produce some good minor league talent over there in the other system so it's not just white sox centric you know it's somebody from outside right. the club that is developing you know talent and it's that that parts you know you saw the the numbers you saw an uptick in the offense last year now could it be that you know between Ramos and you know Popeye and Colson Montgomery and like just the, the talent that now, you know, we've talked about this as well before about the Nick Hostetler drafts in the later rounds, you know, they got value and they got some, you know, some decent, you know, guys out of the, out of the later rounds Absolutely. after, after the first round, because the first round was generally pretty rough, uh, you know, and and none of those guys in the first round really hit, um, except for uh, you, you know you could obviously make a uh, a case for Jake Berger, you know that the guy can hit and uh, it does look like he could be a solid producer in Major League Baseball, but you know Fulmer and uh, you know Zach Birdie Zach Collins uh, Nick Madrigal. You know, you have a bunch of guys that are no longer with the team and never right. really produced. You know, I mean, Magical had you know a couple months of looking halfway decent, minus base running and the occasional <laughs> fielding, uh, you know, misplays. Kicking it around a little bit, yeah. yeah, well, fine, but you know, like he he showed that he was he he was capable of being close to what they were thinking he was going to be although the gold glove defense never seemed to actually you know make its way to the majors but now you've you, got a different guy making the assessments and writing out the reports and you know taking video and sending it to Hahn and company in the in the front office you've got a different guy doing all that stuff other than Hosteller he has moved to pro scouting and uh, talent evaluation. And I will say that, uh, you know, like that's actually gotten a little bit better in the last couple of years. Uh, The guys that they picked up, you know, between Goodwin and Hamilton and uh, Johnny Cueto and, you know, like they've been a couple of successful pickups that not, not necessarily great pickups, but an improvement from what was happening before. So, you know, I'll cut him some slack in that area, but the draft picks in the first round were brutal. And whether or not that be a, you know, three-headed monster of Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, and J.R., you know, interfering with the draft, that I can't say. Nobody really has any idea outside of the immediate, you know, probably like eight, nine people that actually deal with that stuff.
1: Well, you know, my first inkling is actually the same as it's been for a long time. Is just I I don't necessarily think that a lot of these players were bad signings. It's just the fact that uh, they just don't develop. They haven't in a long time. Sure, we can churn out some bullpen pitchers. We can, you know, turn out a a a, you know a, a relatively decent starter every now and again but when it comes to position players development has been lacking for a long long time and like you say you know we seem to find some we seem to find some diamonds in later rounds. sometimes guys that come up you know and you know i can go back to the mark burley getting drafted like you know number 1,275,000 or something, whatever, you know, it was something ridiculous. He got, he drafted in like the 35th or 37th round back when the draft went on forever. But, you know, even in, in the last 10 or 12 years, there have been a handful of guys that come up in the third, fourth, fifth round where, you know, they, they seem to be putting together decent seasons in the minors. And, you know, a couple of them might crack the major league lineup, you know, uh, Unfortunately, we just can't seem to get the potential that has been tagged to guys who are supposed to be your top end players coming out of the draft. You know the guys that have been touted by everybody and their brother. You know FanGraphs and Baseball Prospectus and, and Baseball America and all these people that do these grades. And granted, it's 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 a it's a science, but it's. A shaky science at best, and you know mistakes are going to be made. It just seems like the White Sox make them more often than than others, and I I really feel like with the grand scheme of how often that happens, it can't just be bad picks. There is an issue with development. It it just seems like the math kind of leans that way. For sure, you know the sheer the sheer numbers kind of just seem to push me in that direction.
0: Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that. Is that there's. I think that there is a a mixture of things going on here. A, it is a very hit or miss, you know, thing in in general. Yeah, and it always has been, and it's not just the White Sox. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. But there's also the lack of development, you know, and then there's just the bad luck, you know. Is that sometimes well, things yeah, happen? Yeah, there's been to guys. a little bit of that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, between there's been a lot of that between Tommy John's and you know torn Achilles you know multiple torn Achilles I mean there's been some bad luck <sighs> thrown in with you know all this stuff and there's there are there are multiple reasons why things go bad I will I just will say that you know like you know those some of those first picks were they just didn't work out you know some of the guys were rushed you know whatever it it is what it is I, I was just it just it just strikes to me you know that um you know, it's just—it's one of those things where, if they've got so many guys in the international market, why are they not doing that in the local market as well? And I think that it—in it the last two, you know, about two, three seasons or so, things have started to look up a little bit as far as. Who's getting drafted and what they are, you know, how they're developing, what they're producing, you know, and what level they're producing it at, and the fact that they are now starting to move towards some prep guys, as well, is also a you know a welcome development. Um, did you happen to see that? Uh, speaking of high schoolers, did you happen to see that? Um, that oh, Jake, are you gotta uh, tell me about the eighth grader. No, no, no. Well, well, yeah, there's that as well. But uh, there's uh, – Jay Kuda put out a tweet today uh, about uh, there being like 56 high school guys drafted of the last like 250 draft picks or something like that. And uh, zero of them have played in the major leagues. So, I mean, it's like over the last, you know, I don't know, a dozen or so years or whatever it is. Oh, yeah.
1: that's – That's tough, and that was the way of the last couple of draft classes here for the White Sox. Well, yeah,
0: but I mean, I'm talking about before that, though. You know, well, yeah, none of the. I'm just saying, even
1: before that, we're looking at it now, and we're kind of hoping for a turnaround. We're hoping (laughs) there's a a change in that number because, well, there's the draft strategy is a lot of preps. Yeah, yeah, something has to change. Yeah, there's there's no way that that number can continue to be zero. Again, uh, the math kind of tells us that there's got to be a break somewhere. Let's just hope that break comes from within the organization. You know, we mentioned all these things about the minor league level, but, you know, like you say, changes are being made organization-wide. Uh, you know, these are things that we've been kind of hearing about for the last couple of years or whether it's just, and it, it, the crazy thing is is it doesn't get enough press in my opinion
0: it's that is that is a hundred percent self-created though the white socks do absolutely nothing to promote what they're doing and you know how we've talked about this for you know uh free agent signings and stuff that they're always under the radar and they've been a they've been doing the exact same thing, you know. Most of the people, even like people, you know, that have positions of uh, you know, having uh, quote unquote quote unquote sources, you know, don't know that Chris Johnson is the head biomechanist me- with the White Sox. Like people have no idea that he does that and that he writes code and he has written programs and stuff like that. That takes numbers from programs and then puts it into, you know, usable, you know, information for the hitters. Like people don't, like they don't talk about this this stuff at all. And, you know, like uh, moving into the, the next subject, you know, as far as the, the analytical side of things is that, you know, they, they've been maligned for the amount of, analytical staff that they employ. And I think that the issue with these lists that we see is that you know, one of the things that was uh that that I've heard, you know, is that a bunch of these guys wear many hats. They don't have guys that are specifically given analytical titles. The White Sox specifically do not grant interviews to their analytical staff to the press. So how does anybody know what they're actually doing? And you right. can sit there and you can criticize the White Sox and say that they aren't using enough analytics. And obviously with the observational analytics from Tony La Russa over the last two years, that's <laughs> well warranted. But the, the fact of the matter is is that I know for a fact, because I've talked to them, is that there have been developments going on in the minor leagues in the last couple of years where they are getting information, where they're using force plates and they're using, you know, K vests and all sorts of interesting stuff that is generating numbers for these guys to see the data that they need to see. But on the parent club, that has not been existent. And I think that this Pedro Grafal group that is coming in, I think that there's going – you know, obviously there's major changes going on here with the amount of staff that they've hired. And now the White Sox have hired Sam Mondry-Cohen, who was the analytical director for the Nationals when they won the World Series. Last year he was a consultant for the Phillies, driving their analytical department. Appeared
1: in the World Series.
0: Yeah, I mean – And this is a guy who is doing Duncan's job from last year. So, you know, I mean, put the blame there where you will, whether he was ineffectual and not getting the correct data, or B, blame it on TLR that he wasn't trying to pass around the data or use the data you know, I mean, you put that wherever you want, but it shows that the White Sox are working to try and get more modernized and finally get, you know, at least into last century for, you know, developing players and using analytics. Uh, I was, I have to say, I was pretty shocked by the hire.
1: Oh, Cohen? Monday Cohen? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Me as well. And, you know, to be honest with you, we could talk about he's another guy that has many hats in his career. Uh, We've seen a few of those guys come through uh, just in the past, you know, month or so, where the White Sox are hiring guys who have done a lot of things. And some folks might say, oh, you know, You've been in a bunch of different positions and you've worn a bunch of different hats. Have you mastered any of them? But the reality, I think the biggest takeaway for me from all of this is for a few years, we were hearing about how stocks were strengthening their analytics department and they were adding technology, although we didn't get the full run of what technology they were bringing to the table that hadn't been there already. Uh, this year, we're actually getting the names at least dropped to us. Yeah. This is who we hired. Yeah, we're getting, you know, let me I'll just I'll just say this. If we go back to about a year ago when you and I were doing a show, uh, there was a night where we talked about. I remember specifically talking about how we were pretty amped up about the White Sox just dropping us a little hint that they were making some analytical department moves. We didn't know what those moves were because they never said. Right. We just heard that they were shaking up the analytical department staff and it was kind of assumed by a lot of folks out there bloggers, writers, the like, uh were assuming that they were amping up that staff. They were they were adding numbers to that staff. But uh I think it was late this past season as the Sox were kind of, you know, hanging around with the possibility of, you know, still maybe being able to, uh, you know, take the division. They were, they were kind of just hanging on by a thread. Again, it was Jay Cuda who put out a tweet with, uh, what was assumed to be every team's athletic or I'm sorry, analytic analytics staff throughout the majors. And he was using, uh, you know, team directories to do this. What was listed in team directories? so it's you know it's public information that's out there. These teams put out these directories if you wanna contact whatever department, whatever person in that department here it is um and the White sox were still at five, five people in that department, and they were like in the bottom three in all of baseball. I think there were two teams that just didn't list any at all, but we kind of know that you know they might be hiding that those people away from the the public eye, because those were teams that were generally pretty good analytically. Uh, You know, they, you could kind of tell they make the right moves at the right times, but uh, you know, they were still at five and that's what, that's where they were listed the previous three or four seasons before when they put out their directories and we both kind of scratched our heads and went, wow, what the hell? I thought, you know, changes were being made and the more, Uh, a more analytically driven organization was supposed to be coming together. And we get this information now, at least in this particular offseason, And again, it might have something to do with Pedro Grafal coming in to the organization and bringing the knowledge that he had, you know, working with the Royals and and some other organizations, minor league systems that he had worked with uh, before coming to the White Sox. But we're getting name drops. We're we're getting some real information about who these guys are, what they've done previously, where they come from, and kind of where they're uh you know, at least trying to take the future of the White Sox. (laughs) And you brought up biomechanics. You know, uh the White Sox just hired somebody within the last month, if you remember, who indeed was a biomechanics guy well it turns out Mondry cohen is also a biomechanics guy I headed up a department uh with a in a previous job as a biomechanics guy so you know that's my real for me the biggest takeaway from all of this now whether or not any of this plays out remains to be seen of course you know you can throw out well you know this guy's done this and this guy's done that but he hasn't you know he's obviously he's not real old and he hasn't done any of these things for a very long time you know Mondre cohen i think has only been in baseball for like 13 or 14 years yeah. or something uh, yeah, like yeah i think that. he was
0: with uh, i think it's 14 years i think he was with the uh, nationals for like 13 and then he was
1: uh right and then with the phillies last year as a yeah. consultant right
0: yeah he was uh doing so, a and, couple of things but yeah
1: Right and he's a guy from what i read if i'm remembering correctly was a guy who came straight out of college uh and joined that nationals organization and rose through the ranks rather quickly i think within 4 years he was like the director of yeah. his department you know uh never played a a game of professional baseball i don't even think he played in college you know what i mean he's he's the the quintessential Picture of Statner type of guy, you know what I mean? The yep. way it's been kind of, you know, at least put out there towards me in my mind from what I'm reading. Uh, but you know, it just goes to show you that you don't have to be a guy who goes out there and hits 30 home runs a year and takes, you know, a hundred walks and fields at a you know a 979 you know fielding percentage to be able to take the data that's given to you and make very good use of it and like i said that's probably my biggest takeaway
0: from what's what's going
1: on good evening sir um yeah it's it's the breath of fresh air and the fact that we are getting the information now and and getting real tangible information for the first time since pff, I can remember ever, probably.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, well, the thing was, like, a couple of years ago, great, good to hear. Glad things are good. Um. Yeah, like, there was a couple of years ago when the White Sox started hiring up some analytical guys before Tony came on board, and then all of them left. All of them left. Like, all the guys that got hired, you know, that that everybody was excited about, all left, uh, one of them being Ben Hansen, um, who is uh, a biomechanist uh, as well, and uh, he had left and started his own company and he was doing uh you know hansen uh biomech, his own company. Uh, I just found out uh through because I was just curious um, he is now the director of performance technology for the New York Mets, just got hired. Mm. Like, there's no announcement on his page or anything, so it must have just happened. Okay. So, um, I mean, I have to look at uh, the—I'm sure that they probably made some sort of an announcement or something on Mets Twitter or something, but I had no idea. So, um, I can say the White Sox did hire somebody that is in the analytics field and the biomechanics field that somebody else wanted and it happened to be a guy that they hired before Tony Larousa and then when Tony Larousa came on board he left very interesting
1: yeah interesting indeed
0: so yeah i you know we'll see where this where this whole thing heads but uh you know after watching the results starting to show up in the minors, at least offensively. Um, you know, there's nothing you could do last year with AAA where they just didn't have the guys to put there in the starting rotation, so their record wasn't very good. Their offense was pretty decent, you know, with, uh, you know, CJ there. Guys from the Major League Club would go there, and they'd come back, and they'd look like they remembered how to hit again. And then, you know, the philosophy of singles would— Once again, rear its ugly head after about a week or two. But, you know, there are things looking positive.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree 100 percent, you know, and it's been said before it might take, you know, a year, two, three for any of this to really, really show the progress uh, of that direction at, at the major league level, because, you know, we've talked about this here on this show. Where these guys who have been you know we you now would consider major league veterans were not part of this transition in the White sox minor league farm system uh, they didn't get the benefit of the new direction of analytics uh when they were coming up uh you know so now they're gonna they're gonna get the benefit of these new hires at the m l b organization level you know they they will i'm sure learn. Some things, there will be uh, a new direction for some of these guys. You know, just a a, a new culture team-wide. I'm sure approach is going to be a a huge, huge thing as we've seen the last couple of seasons. You know, almost two full seasons. We got a few months of of decent approach and and hitting early on in uh, TLRs. Tenure here, but uh, it didn't take long for that to kind of fizzle, and it never really recovered. It actually kind of just flattened out. But uh, yeah, you you want to? I would like to think that we're going to see the results at the major league level rather quickly. But I think overall, as a full organization, you'll probably see more results as some of these younger kids make their way through and up onto the major league club to where they've you know they've been privy to that training and that mindset and that you know analy- analytically driven uh direction pretty much since day one within the organization. And maybe we'll see finally some development that we can be happy about.
0: I think yeah, I think it's definitely on the way. You know, I mean from what I saw last year in the minor league development and the upticks in production um and just better at bats in general. Um, right. I can only imagine that it will slowly matriculate its way up to the majors if it doesn't immediately turn around. You know, this year. Every
1: time somebody says matriculate, I just I cannot get that scene out of my head.
0: Matriculate? I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Oh, never mind. I will. We will just move <laughs> on with it. Matriculating the ball upfield. Ah. It was never mind. Football.
0: Ah, uh, football. Yeah, I yeah. haven't been paying much attention.
1: Football. Two kickers on the team, they call it
0: football. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, so go ahead and call the podcast part of this here, Um, I think. Seems like a good time. What do you think? Sure. All right. Uh. I would like to also uh let anybody that is listening to this in the podcast form or watching here, uh on Thursday night, eight PM Central time, uh the director for the White Sox Minor League uh hitting program, Andy Barquette, will be hosting a webinar with White Sox uh prospect Tyler Osick, uh the advanced A hitting champ for last season. Uh, who made it up for uh project birmingham as well up in uh you know in the last couple weeks of the season in uh double a um should be a you know I've watched quite a few of these things um he had Devin deyoung on a couple you know a couple months ago and uh there's always really good information on there and um if you've got a kid that's in sports you know hop on and check and it out and I do out. believe
1: this one's another freebie correct
0: Uh, that I don't know. I did not happen to look at that, but, uh,
1: okay. Maybe not. I know last week's was last week's webinar or just recently. There was one that was a freebie, I
0: believe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, due to my, my kid being the, uh, young baseball player, I've got him set up with, uh, Andy, you know, for hitting drills and stuff like that. So, um, but there will be a webinar on Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Time, so you just hop on and check it out because, uh, always a lot of cool information in there if you are into analytics and biomechanics at all, and if you are into the sweet science of hitting. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Um, so that'll be on Andy's site. Uh, it is, um, baseballprosacademy.com. You can go on there and register for the, uh, for the thing, yes. Uh, so I know that the one that was in, yeah, look like that. Yeah, it is a free hitting webinar. This this one is free. So you I can just so. yeah, you can just hop on there and sign up for it, and um, at uh, BaseballProsAcademy.com dot com and uh, sign up and you know uh, enjoy enjoy the talk about hitting. It's definitely going to be pretty cool. Um, but uh, you can find us at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com this will be in podcast form there uh, every week and you can also find written material there we have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page Uh, feel free to uh, search us out in the search bar White Sox Daily Um, my name is Ian Eskridge for my co-host the Danny Miller you guys have a great night